0: Today we embark on this new series, I Am a Christian, and we're, we're using this companion book, this resource by Tom Rayner, entitled I Am a Church Member. I hope you picked up a copy and have begun reading through it, and uh, the, the, the chapter headings correspond to the, uh, the next six messages. And so the first message today is, I will be a functioning member. And functioning is the operative word. It means fulfilling our purpose, a productive member of Christ's body, the church. Let me share an alarming fact with you. A statistic the book included was that nine out of ten churches in America are declining or growing at a pace that is slower than their communities. Uh, some more causes for concern about two thirds of the builder generation, those born, Before 1946 are Christians, about two-thirds of people in that generation. But only 15% of the millennials are Christians. And millennials are the generation in America's history with, with almost 80 million members, those born between 1980 and the year 2000. And so we've all but lost that generation to the church worldwide. And we can blame it on secular culture. We can blame it on godless politics of our nation. But Rayner goes on to assert, I'm proposing that we who are church members need to look in the mirror. I'm suggesting that congregations across America are weak because many of us church members have lost the biblical understanding of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. And then he observes, we join our churches expecting others to serve us, to to feed us, to care for us. We don't like the hypocrites in the church, but we fail to see our own hypocrisies. He goes on, God did not give us local churches to become country clubs where membership means we have privileges and perks. He placed us in churches... To serve, to care for others, to pray for leaders, to learn, to teach, to give, and in some cases, to die for the sake of the gospel. Many churches are weak because we have members who have turned the meaning of membership upside down, he says. It's time to get it right, it's time to become a church member as God intended. It's time to give instead of being entitled. So he challenges, join me on this journey of discovering or rediscovering the privilege and joys of church membership. He describes that membership to many means perks. Membership means privileges. Membership means others will serve me. Just pay the going rate and you can have others take care of you while you enjoy a life of leisure. And and tragically, this understanding of membership is what many church members hold. He said, for them, membership is about receiving instead of giving, being served instead of serving, rights instead of responsibilities, entitlements instead of sacrifice. This wrongful view of memberships, these tithes and offerings as membership dues that enable, that, that entitle members to a never-ending list of privileges and expectations instead of unconditional cheerful gifts to God. Well, that's what author Tom Rainer says as he does studies and surveys and collects data and, and looks at our country as a whole. What does the Bible say about church membership? It presents a dramatic contrast from this prevailing American approach of, of membership, focusing on perks and privileges, and in the biblical approach instead centers on serving and sacrifice. Three things I want us to see from our, our, our passage today in 1 Corinthians 12. And The first is that the Bible says each member has a purpose— And when when Charlie was sharing the communion meditation today, he started in 1 Corinthians 11, and he alluded to the fact that chapter 12 and 13 and 14 talk about the body using this metaphor for the church. In chapter 12, Paul explains that the church is uh, a body with many members. In chapter 13, he established the love chapter as the central attitude and, and action that all members should have. Chapter 14 returns to how messed up the church at Corinth was uh, that had this concept of membership all wrong. And so the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and using this analogy of the church being compared to a human body. And the church is described as a body composed of many parts that work together with a singleness of purpose. In Ephesians 5, verse 23, Christ is referred to as being the head of the body. And so let's begin reading 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. It says, even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. Although there are many parts, there is, is unity, and the various parts work together in concert. Picture the, the way your, your body does that when you, you eat a hamburger. It, it involves many functions occurring simultaneously. First, your eyes see the food. And then your arms reach for the burger. Your hands pick up the burger. Your salivary glands begin to gleat or secrete saliva to begin that process of breaking down the food. Your incisor teeth will tear the meat while the the molars begin to grind the particles of food. The jaws work to chew up the food. The throat begins the swallowing process. The stomach processes and utilizes the nutritional value of the food while your gastrointestinal tract completes the process of digestion and elimination. In verse 13 it says, Baptized by one spirit into one body, given the one spirit to drink. Baptism, When coupled with faith and repentance and confession is that entry into the body of Christ's church. And the Bible refers to the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit that is received when we are baptized. He comes to take up residence in our lives, live within our bodies. Note the unity. There's one spirit. There's one body, and just as the human body has a spirit, the church body has the Holy Spirit. And likewise, the presence or the absence of the spirit indicates whether the body is living or dead. The Bible says that each member has a purpose. But as we read on in that passage, verses 17 through 19 Make it clear that the Bible says each member offers something to the body. The the earliest Christians broke down barriers. Unlike most other religions, Christians welcomed men and women alike. The Greeks excluded slaves from most social groupings, but Christians invited and included slaves. The, The Jewish temple separated worshipers by race, and then again by gender. But Christians brought them all together around the Lord's table. In contrast to Rome's mostly male aristocracy, that the Christian church let women and the poor also have roles. This distinctive difference in the way that each individual was gifted was a cause for celebration— because it meant collective good for the body. And so let's pick up there in verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 12. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? There's value in the differences. Diversity is helpful. We we all have different types of people. And what if everybody in the body were an eye? Where would the hearing be? And God has designed our diversity and talents and skills, our our weaknesses, our our interests, so that the body of Christ, the church, would complement itself and it would stand complete. And God's design is for everyone to fulfill a functioning role in the church just as he wanted them to be. Maybe you've heard the, the 80-20 rule that exists in, in most organizations, and, including the church. That's where 20% of the people do 80% of the work. 20% of the people give 80% of the money. 20% of the people volunteer, and, and 80% are content to sit in darkness uh, <laughs> and, and let them do so. so. The result is that willing workers can become overworked if they're doing 80% of the work. And the other challenge or downside of that is new workers don't get developed or, or utilized. And so lethargy prevents maximizing these available gifts in the club, in the school, in the organization, in the church. 1 Corinthians 12 shows a better alternative in in which no one is overburdened, where this responsibility and the workload is is shared to the benefit of the whole body. A, A young mother with Three extremely active young boys was playing cops and robbers one afternoon in the backyard with her kids when a neighbor stopped by to borrow a cup of sugar. And one of the boys aimed his pistol at his mother, yelled, bang, you're dead. She slumped to the ground in a heap. And when she didn't get up right away, the neighbor became concerned and and hurried over to see if she had hurt herself in the fall. As the neighbor bent over, the overworked mother opened one eye and whispered, shh, don't give me away. This is the only chance I get to rest. <laughs> well, that's a picture of, of the body if one portion is overworked, unduly, overextended, and, and others aren't stepping up to, uh, to fill their, their roles. The, the apostle Paul warned That in the body, we must not have envy over another's gifting or or God-given abilities. Do, Do you ever envy the abilities of others within the body? This diversity in gifts should not equal division in the body. There's this unique interdependence that God designed into the special body called the church where we need each other. Philip Yancey observed, Christianity is not a purely intellectual, internal faith. It can only be lived in community. And perhaps for this reason, he said, I've never given up entirely on church. At a deep level, I sense that church contains something I desperately need. And whenever I abandon church for a time, I find I am the one who suffers. My faith fades the crusty shell of lovelessness grows over me again. I grow colder rather than hotter. And so my journeys away from church have always circled back inside. Soren Kierkegaard said that we tend to think of church as a kind of theater. We sit in the audience uh, attentively, watch the actor on stage who draws every eye to himself and, and if sufficiently entertained we show our gratitude with applause and cheers he said church should be the opposite of theater in church god is the audience for our worship and far from playing the role of the leading actor the, the minister should function as something like a prompter the inconspicuous helper who sits beside the stage and prompts us by whispering. What matters most takes place within the hearts of the congregation, not among those who are on stage. We should leave a worship service asking ourselves, not, what did I get out of it, but rather, was God pleased with what happened? What did I contribute to him through my worship. And then he concluded, now I I try to look up in a worship service to direct my gaze beyond the platform toward God. Each member who is functioning as a healthy member offers something to the body. And when you're absent from worship, something is missing. Something will go undone. It may be a hug, it may be a word of encouragement, it may be your contribution to worship. You're smiling welcome to a first-time guest, but if you're not here, it diminishes what we could have given back to God in worship on that particular day. In our book, I Am a Church Member, Tom Rayner states the obvious, but often overlooked when he writes, we who are church members are all supposed to function in the church. The concept of an inactive church member is an oxymoron. Biblically, no such church member really exists. He says, such is the reason we are exhorted to know our gifts and abilities so we can use them best to serve the church for the glory of God. The fact that there's so much diversity in our church is our strength. Everyone has a function. Everyone should be functioning. Everyone should have a role. End quote. Paul Tournier observed, there are two things that we cannot do alone. One is be married, and the other is be a Christian. And what he says is right. You can't say, I'm just going to, worship God on my own. We need this collective, corporate sense. We need this community. And that's why even those who worship with us online are a connection, and extension of this service. Even those who hear our broadcast on WRBI, they're a part of our extended church family. You can't do church alone. And the final thing I want you to see from First Corinthians 12 is that the Bible says members should share in joy and sorrows together. Verse 20 says, As it is, there are many parts but one body. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Verse 22 says, the weaker parts are indispensable. Let me ask you a question. What's what's the most important part of your house? This week you might think it's the the furnace or or having electricity or a a roof overhead or plumbing that doesn't have frozen pipes. I I remember a time years ago when we got home at 10 o'clock at night and we discovered we were locked out of our house. And at that moment, we felt the most important part of our house was the door key. A a very small part, but at that moment, we saw the importance and, and value of that. And according to the Bible, every person is important. Everyone is needed. Some roles in the church have more visibility than others. Every member has a significant role that is valuable if you sometimes feel your contribution to the church goes unnoticed or unappreciated by others you can be certain that God who sees what is done in secret will reward. So whether your function in the body is washing and drying the baptismal towels or preparing the communion emblems or making a meal for a grieving family or volunteering in the worship team or working as an AV volunteer, refilling the pens in the rack, and sending out get well or sympathy cards, working in the nursery, teaching a class, etc. Verse 24 reminds us, God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so there should be no division, no envy in the body. Verse 25, the parts of the body, people, should have equal concern for each other. Concern is not nosiness. It's taking a sincere, genuine interest. We're In to develop a sensitivity to people's needs and to their hurts and to their joys. And the Bible says we're to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Verse 26, if one part suffers, then every part suffers with it. The jokes told about a guy just went to the doctor, was in pain all the time. He said, Doc, I, I just hurt all over. He said, That's okay. We'll run some tests. We'll, we'll get to the bottom of it. I think we can, we can solve your problems. And the guy said, Well, whenever I, I press my chin, it, it hurts. And whenever I, I, I press on my arm, it hurts. And when I press on my leg, it hurts. And, Doc, what's wrong with me? Doctor said, I think you have a broken finger. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes something small can really affect the whole. And if you've ever had a splinter, if you've ever had a toothache, if you've ever had a kidney stone, if you've ever had a paper cut, you know that the whole body will enter into your pain. If one part of the body hurts, The entire body hurts and shares in that. Even the small, unseen roles in the church are vital to the overall health of the church. Our our church's mission is to love God, love people, impact the world. It, It involves this New Testament principle. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. That's the biggest way that our lives can make the statement, I am a Christian, if we live with love. If one part is honored, every part is honored. If you're reading through the book at the end of the the chapter, there's a pledge. And you can take this pledge and, and sign it. It says, I'm a church member. I like the metaphor of membership. It's not membership as in a civic organization or a country club. It's the kind of membership given to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And it goes on, because I am a member of the body of Christ, I must be a functioning member, whether I'm an eye or an ear or a hand. As a functioning member, I will give, I will serve, I will minister. I will evangelize. I will study. I will seek to be a blessing to others. I will remember that if one member suffers, then all members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And then you can sign that, that pledge and, and date it with today's date. We're going to watch a, a video right now. We're going to ask to black out the room. and This is Louis Giglio sharing about laminin and how that's a part of each cell's DNA and how that relates to the church. That's a a great visual, isn't it? What Christ does for the human body, he he holds it together, is what he wants to do for his church, his body. Satan wants to divide and Satan wants to separate us and Jesus is the glue needed to bond Christians together. Each of us has a role in the body. Whatever function we perform should be loving and bring honor to the head of the body, Jesus. Would you pray with me? Dear God, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we're different than the animals. We've been made in your image. And so, Lord, I I just pray that we would each uh, find our role of of serving you in the body and do it with uh, energy and abandon for your glory. And, Lord, as we all work together, we can accomplish great things for your purpose. And that's our prayer today in, in the name of Jesus. Amen.